Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So today I'm welcoming Trina Comerford. Uh, she is a an umpire, which I always laugh that I have so many umpire friends. If I would have thought that in the beginning of my career, I would have laughed. But some of the best people I know uh, are umpires. And for a coach to say that is is very humbling. Uh, but Trina has seen pretty much every level and spends most of her time um, at the Division One level bouncing in. I know you you spend time in the, in the pack in the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Um, and, and I, I'm understanding most of your time is spent on the kind of the Western side of the United States, correct? Uh, no, probably about 50%. 50%? Mostly big 10 and whack right now. Really? Okay. Big 10 and whack. Yeah. All right. Um, so I wanted to talk to, to Trina about what it is to be an official. And I think this is super important for coaches, athletes, and parents to understand what it is to be an official, um, and the grind that they go through, because I know as a young coach, I did not respect the grind that umpires go through. And now I always look at my friends going, why do you do this to yourself? You guys are some of the bravest souls I know. So Trina, I'm excited to talk to you today and get your insight and how we can maybe help people interact with umpires in a better way and, and referees um, to make the game, I don't want to say a little bit more peaceful, maybe run a little bit smoother. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Smoother. <laughs> <laughs> Smoother, right? So, right. you know, you and I always laugh because we were both uh, both rookies kind of at the same time trying to find our way. And so when you started this profession, what were your expectations? Um, you know, have you ever heard the story of how I started? No. <laughs> I, it's classic. I, I was playing and I had met an official named Benji Hedgecock mm-hmm. and Benji I was always arguing rules with him and he tried to get me to become an official. So one day at my daughter's game, I think she was eight or nine playing on a 12A team. She ran to, she fielded the ball at third and went to tag a runner coming from second to third who was not forced. And the runner who was on a dead run for third spun around and went out to the outfield, ran on the edge of the grass, ran through foul territory and came in the backside of third base. And my silly, young, lack of experienced daughter chased her. And the official didn't call anything. Meanwhile, the the base runner made it to third safely and the batter runner made it to first safely. And the whole time she was hoping for a double play. So <clears throat> I, uh, I may have yelled some inappropriate and language I like to use demonstrative <laughs> words toward the official. <laughs> and he ejected me out of the game, ejected the parent. So I backed my truck up. Oh, my suburban. I had the suburban. I backed my suburban up to a pile of rocks outside the ballpark and sat up on top and was watching the game and called Benji to complain about his official on the field that day and his lack of knowledge of rules. And he proceeded to tell me how difficult it is to be official and how hard it is to recruit and that we need officials on the field who have the passion for the game that can help these young ladies 
have a fair and non-biased game? And would I please reconsider officiating? And I told Benji, sure, I'll give you this fall, I'll give you one or two weekends. You can try to make me an official. First weekend, I had a little girl from Canby who got hit in the head. And long story short, eventually she was taken off by a helicopter or a brain bleed. Mm. And and I was ready to quit then. I think that was my second weekend on the field. Mm. But what I quickly discovered about officiating is that, and maybe you'll get you'll understand this a little bit, is that as you play competitively your whole life, and then you start playing once you have kids and you're playing with other older women and you're playing second base, but your kid's crying and you, you call time and you run in and you ask your teammates to take second for you. You just gave up your spot on the field to go take care of your kid. That competitive nature, it just like fizzled out. While I still loved being on the dirt, competing for my spot was gone. Mm-hmm. And what I slowly found with officiating was for myself, I was competing with myself for perfection. I was competing with myself to be great on the field again. I was competing with myself to offer a fair and non-biased opportunity for young ladies. I was, and I eventually found that I was setting an example for other young athletes. And let's face it, it feels great to go against other umpires and prove you might be a little bit better than them. Although that's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a crew. supposed to be all about fairness. (laughs) But you know, it's interesting because when I even sit here and listen to you talk about this and I reflect on who my friends are that are in the business they are the people that I think take so much, so much pride in getting to be a great official. And they're people that I would look at and go, man, I would trust you with any rule. I would put you on any field. And most of them have worked in world series, whether it be, you know, smaller college or bigger college, or they're on a big stage and they take pride in being great. And I always say the best umpires are ones that you don't even notice are on the field. Because everything is so smooth and you never question, right? And I always think of of certain people that are in my circle of umpire friends. That is what fits the mold for them is you you would never notice because they're right. so smooth and on top of things. And I think that is so under, you know, so underappreciated in officials, you know, because you're like, I just walked through the field. Nobody even noticed. And I'm always like, that's the biggest compliment I can give you is I didn't even know you were there, you know, and right. that's that's an amazing thing to say about an official. So as the, you know, the game has changed so much and I, and I was watching through a period of time as great officials were leaving the game and it broke my heart. Cause I'm like, no, 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 no. I want you to be on my field. And they were choosing to, to leave the profession and, and rightfully so, you know, sports has gotten rough. So how are things now, when you look at your expectations on going to the field or, or what per- continually pushes you back every single spring to go back to the field, what is different about it now for you? Um, you know, the strike zone's different. <laughs> the strike zone's yes, it is. different. <laughs> and 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 there's a lot of positives about the NCAA's focus on the accurate strike zone. The bats are, are much hotter. Every you know, they seem to be getting hotter all the time. The slappers in the game are much different, but the competition in the game is still just very intense. And I think that that competitive side of me is one thing that drives me to get back on the field every single year. The other piece is that once you put a lot of hard work into something, it's really a big decision to not go back and build upon the success that you have and reset new goals and keep striving to be better and better and better every year. You know, I, 
I don't go out and officiate softball for money. I have a full-time job and um, some, some officials do officiate a lot of sports and it's their income. And I try to honor and respect that difference between us. But for me, it's just really a deep seed inside me to just go back and be better. And, and I may joke about still being 39 and a lot of change, but I'm on the other side of the century now of my life. And there's something about being physically fit and athletic enough to keep up with those amazing athletes too. That's that little competitive drive keeps me going and I hope it keeps me young. <laughs> well, the other, you know, the other piece of the game, and, and I always knew I was horrible at this. And to be honest, I always knew I could call you. So why did I need to be good if Trina was so good at rules? Right. Um, I, I know I had bugged you during games going, Hey, can you give me an interpretation on something like this? Uh, <laughs> I have a mutual coaching friend that we, she would call me about a rule. I'm like, why are you calling not me? You have Trina's number. Like she'll be able to tell you anything. Um, so for you, like, talk to me about learning the rules and how, you know, how that has played such a key in, in being great at this game. You know, cause I think a lot of coaches, we think we know the rules, but you know, like every, you know, sub category of every rule on top of it so why has that been such a thing of pride for you to be like as I say you are like the encyclopedia of of rules when it comes to your game I appreciate that (laughs) I'll tell you a little secret um you know the last year of my son's life of 2019 was rough and I didn't study I didn't study that year and then COVID hit and I was trying to get back into the books and trying to get back onto the field after the loss of my son. And I, I didn't study. And when COVID hit, I was just dealing with grief and dealing with lots of other things. And I didn't study. So I really appreciate the, the compliment. But this year, that's an area I feel weak in. Mm-hmm. And I feel weak in it because I haven't studied. So I've really been back in the rule book again. Mm-hmm. When I first became an umpire, I took the te- the the rules test. And I failed it. And all these years as an athlete, I had argued with officials. I had argued with coaches. I thought I knew the rules. And I was wrong. I didn't know them. Not as well as I needed to or should have. So studying is really the only way. You've got to be in that book. And I can see how it would be especially difficult for a coach to be in the book as much as an umpire is because you're on the field coaching and training and, and working with your athletes. And while you're doing that, I'm looking in a mirror and practicing my mechanics and in a rule book. So it should be, there should be that kind of equal, um, equal preparation and study time. The athlete puts a lot more time in on the dirt, but as an umpire, I should put that much time into the rule book studying and have that knowledge uh, eye tracking, working on my vision and eye tracking for the balls and then my mechanical movements on the field. Um, it's so important because a game can be protested and and you can change a game for a team. Uh, I have a very pivotal moment in my career against two Division One teams and I I regret it to this day that... I didn't use the rules correctly. And I firmly believe I cost one team the game. And that's something that's just something on my shoulder. I never want to, and I carry it with me knowing that it's important, but I don't, I don't ever want to add to that. I don't ever want another game on my shoulder that because of a rule, 
that I didn't apply correctly, somebody lost out, somebody lost a game, athletes lost an opportunity, a girl lost a stat. Those are things I don't, I don't ever want to take away. So well, rule number is important. Well, and I know as, as uh, a former athlete and a former coach, to stand across from somebody that you know knows the rules inside and out, it, it's makes it makes it way harder to argue first thing and I usually don't question that right there are umpires that I just usually don't question because I'm like I know you know this rule inside and out so if I question I better be pretty darn right that I'm right because the right. chances are that I was wrong right now is every is every coach looking at that way no <laughs> but you know to have confidence in your officials as a coach knowing hey they know the rule and they're going to put it into play is I always say is kind of makes me me more at ease during the game because I'm like, well, hey, what they what they say goes right, right. So let's kind of get more onto the 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 personal side, I guess, of, of officiating. Um, you know, as I say, I, I was a hothead, and I, I I will always be a hothead when I play in Ashland or Medford. Um, that's just <laughs> my gene pool because uh, I grew up in Southern Oregon. But you know, umpires have have gone through a lot when it comes to coaches and athletes and parents. And I distinctly remember the transition. Um, I was a a fall game and we were playing Portland state and one of an umpire that, I mean, I had became buddies with and, and he like almost jumped on my throat for something that was really small. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I go, why are you apologizing? Like, it's fine. He goes, he goes, I'm so used to getting jumped on by bigger coach not bigger coaches, but like higher level coaches. He goes, I forget you guys are nice to us. And that really made me start thinking, oh, snap, the, ja- the, the game is changing, right? Because these umpires are being put on the defensive all the time. And nobody wants to be on the defensive, right? And so right. I saw that change and I was, and I saw the change in officials, you know? And, you know, part of me was like, man, this is ridiculous. Come on, guys. But then I thought, man, I would not want to have to be on the defensive all the time and justifying. So going into the social side of the game, how has that changed working with coaches, working with athletes, you know, working um, with fans, parents? I would say the game has become more professional. Mm-hmm. And we all know what that's like, you know, in a relaxed social setting, you say things and do things and pal around and your body language in a, in a, show, in a social setting is very different from that of walking into the office at work and being professional or being at a board meeting. And that's how I liken the change that's happened over the last 12, 15 years in the game of softball. It's become much more professional. We as umpires need to stick to the facts, only quote the rules that we know and keep things simple and only say what we have to say. Mm -hmm. Because coaches, their job's on the line and they'll use our words against us. And so we've been taught to be professional about it. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't know that it's a bad thing. It definitely has changed it. There's a relaxing feeling for me when I step onto the D3 or the NAIA or the junior college ball in the Pacific Northwest, because these are coaches I've known a really long time. Relationships are everything. They know that I work hard. Mm -hmm. They've seen me uh, fall ball and in the summer at camps and teaching other umpires and giving up a lot of my free time and going in before season to watch pitches for free. They know I work hard. And so I have that established relationship with them mm-hmm. and we've known each other for a really long time. Most of us. So I can be a little more relaxed and casual, but 
definitely there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with the game. Everybody has a camera. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a phone, right? Yes. Everything, Everything on instant replay, right? Even, right. I mean, that's, you know, I, I was laughing that when, when I was growing up, you got to watch the World Series finale, final. That's it. Right. And now right. I watch softball all weekend, every weekend, right? It's everywhere, right. you know? Right. So yeah, if something gets a, a big mistake, you're on Sports Center now, right? right? Right. You know, so with coaches and, and even parents, we could probably break this into two different groups, but what are recommendations you would give to coaches when approaching an umpire or dealing with an umpire for things to go, you know, as successfully as possible. So they feel heard, but it's like you say, that professional, that professional interaction, instead of, you know, a, a coach losing their temper and everything getting more explosive. Right. I think that the key is to listen for as to umpires. The key is to listen Mm. for coaches. The key, especially in the NCAA, the key is that we can't argue judgment anymore. So I think that having a question when you come out to the umpire, that isn't about judgment. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you think that I missed a call, a banger at first base, you think I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. I think coming out with a question that's based on the facts of the game Mm-hmm. Uh, blue, you, you look like maybe you were out of position. Do you feel like you were out of position enough that you could have gone for help? Uh, Hey, Trina, it looked like maybe you got screened by the second baseman coming across. Would you mind going for help? Mm-hmm. Throwing tools out there or pieces of the game that I could utilize to actually go for help. Make, make that conversation a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Even if sure coach, I did fell out of position. Yes, coach. I did get cut off by the second baseman coming across to back that up. Yes, I will go for help. Getting with my crew, nobody overturns the call. At least when I go back to the coach, I can validate that, hey, there may have been something screwy right there. I did try to go for help. I don't have any other information to change the call. We're going to stick with it today. At least you can have that professional conversation. But if the coach comes out and says, Trina, you just blew that. What's going on with you today? You just went personal with that. Right. You just went personal. And... I'm supposed to give you a warning at that point, right? <laughs> and the second warning is not, the second time a warning happens, there's an ejection. So we don't want those type of warnings. And also I'm snarky. So coming out with me, something like that, I probably, inside, I really want to say, there's a lot wrong with me today. I've never said <laughs> there's a lot wrong with me today. What's wrong with you today, coach? <laughs> that's that's never good. <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably on the, an umpire bucket list. I know coaches have bucket lists of like, you know, I always said that before I retire, I just wanted to throw a ball into play from the dugout just to see what happened. Never have done that. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's like, why would you think of that? I'm like, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in the dugout. So maybe that's a coach bucket list. You know, for you, you're probably like, oh, I just want to say to a coach, what's wrong with you today, coach? Right. <laughs> you know, I think what I've learned, you know, as the game has changed and as coaching is constant arguing with an umpire really doesn't get anybody anywhere right and 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 I agree with you it's like go with the tools you know and, and I was joking with you before this talking uh going to watch a game with my old summer ball coach and we were talking about balls and strikes because there were you know there was a a call that probably was you know not right in the strike zone or whichever you know it happens and he he was like chirping and he's like and we just looked I looked at me like, you can't say that stuff and he goes what and I'm like the game has changed right you can't argue balls and strikes um And he goes, what? And I go, you will get tossed really quick. And so I find it in some ways easier to just realize, just watch the game. Just watch the game, right? Hand it over to the umpires and watch the game. I know 
Um, maybe I got less competitive as I got, as I got older. I don't know. I know some coaches probably love, love the duel with umpires. I'm not sure, but you know, I always think with coaches is try and let umpires do their job. Let referees do their job. Are you going to have games that don't have a good official? Yes. It's going to happen from time to time, like anything, right? Right. You're going to have a year that maybe your teacher's not as great or your doctor you don't like as well, whichever, but in most instances, hand it over to the officials. So now we're going to flip it over to parents, right? And it's funny because uh, I felt I had great sport parents, but you could hear my mom from the other side of the Rockies when I played in Utah. And the one thing I said to her when I went in to college, I said, I never want to hear your voice. I never want to hear your voice when I'm in a red uniform, right? And she's like, I don't like injustice. I'm like, well, get over it. You know, nobody's dying over a missed call, right? But I always think I would be super sensitive to that as an official. How does that impact you when you have fans all over you? Even, you know, even if you missed a call or even if you got the call right and they just disagree with it, how do you take that as a human being? It's interesting you bring this topic up. I think that being a sports official has taught me a lot of resilience, a lot of resilience. And I think it it slowly and probably not fast enough for my older children made me a better parent of student athletes as well. <clears throat> With my older kids, they would come and complain about an official or whatever, and I would I would I would join in. Right. I would, it's like a gang fight or, you know, they start to complain. You join in pretty soon. The whole household, the dinner table turns into complaining about the game that just ended tonight and how bad the official was and why the team lost the game. And at some point in time, I started to catch on that the reality of this, and this is my best advice to parents. The reality of this is that who cares about the umpire and who cares about us as parents? Let's care about our kids. The resiliency that comes from kids learning to work through something tough is just amazing. And I think that we see it, the lack of that a little bit, we see prevalent in today's society. We finally, my husband and I developed some rules toward toward the, the latter half of raising our children. And these rules were that you could not complain about your teacher, your coach, your teammate, or the sports official until you gave me five personal things that you could work on to do better then you could have one complaint. That's a great rule. That's a great rule. And it worked wonderfully. You know, as for me, as a softball official on the field, I started a book. I, I have a little journal. I'm going to write a book someday when I'm, when I'm on the old blue hair with my matching jogging outfit and shoes, I'm going to write a book. I think I'm going to title it daddy's princess wears cleats things you hear on a softball field. And I've, I've been keeping these things down. One of my best is at Seattle U and my partner on the plate had just got a, he just struck out a girl and that pitch broke way into the, the opposite batter's box. I don't, bats are hot, but I don't, and she had long arms, but I don't know if she could have reached it. And he struck her out, set her down. So, so now yet another batter comes up. She gets into the left-handed batter box which is where the pitch was. <laughs> and the dad up above yells, I don't remember her name. It's in my journal. Let's just call her Karen. <laughs> Careful, Karen, you're standing in the middle of a strike zone. <laughs> so I write these, these funny things down that you hear on the field. And while I don't want those things to stop, because 
I kind of enjoy them. They're, they're, they're enjoyable. I mean, I've got an ex-husband and 10 children, you know, four stepchildren and six kids. And I can take a lot. Uh, being yelled at on the softball field is nothing compared to life. So as a sports official, I can take it. And I don't want those crazy comments to stop because I want my book to be great. But, <laughs> but if we can remember as a parent and a spectator at a sporting event, that, every, that there's three teams on the field and that the blue team or the officials team, no matter if it's on a court or on a field, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. They work really hard to get there. They have a story to get there and they're doing the best that they can. And maybe they're not that great. I, I've worked with some that aren't that great. They're, I have not so great games and not so great moments. I'm sure you can ask any coach and they'll bring up a few. But with that being said, as parents, as members of society, we could do a better job by teaching our children, teaching our student athletes, teaching our youth to respect rules, respect the game, work as a team, and to rise above. Okay, so that wasn't a pitch that you should have swung at. Okay, so yeah, you probably beat the ball. But what can they learn from that? What can they, what can they rise from that and become. And I think that by making them too soft and taking that human aspect out of the game, I think that would be a shame. So the things that are yelled at sports officials, sometimes um, they're not beneficial to the game or to society. One of my, one of my favorite umpires, Greg Fowler, he, uh, and, and he's just the sweetest, you know, kind of quiet guy, you know, and I would always, and he's a great official. And I, I would go up to him like, Greg, like every year he came back. I'm like, what are you doing here, buddy? Like, why are you taking this abuse every year? I said, doesn't it wear you down? And he just had the best answer. He goes, he goes, if I get yelled at, I probably deserve it. And I just thought, man, buddy, like to be able to look at life that way is, is pretty outstanding. And I think about that probably multiple times a year. I'm like, well, I probably deserved it. And right. He brought the humanity into to being an official. And I think we look at officials as you have to be robots and never make a mistake. But like you said, you're all human. You all bring things to the field, just like every student athlete and every coach brings something to the field. And I really want to hit home when you talk about that. We don't, as society, we struggle with an addiction to comfort and we don't right. like to be put out or, or struggle and at the end of the day, all the trophies disappear. Being an All-American doesn't really matter on your resume, but being able to be resilient is what pays off in life, right? It's all those right. life lessons. And we talk about that a lot, but winning and losing has become more important and scholarships has become more important than the true skills that athletes learn. And my, we have the same thing If my uh, son ever talks about a, an umpire. He's a pitcher too. So, you know, he always, you know, he would have more to say that would just be kibosh i'm like i don't want to hear it like you know if you hit the strikes on every time we don't have a problem right but right. officials if the official costs you a game that's ridiculous a million things happen in a game to create an outcome right right, right. and so but a lot of us love to, to point fingers instead of saying wow uh we didn't hit well today or wow our pitchers really struggled you know and I think it's important for uh, us as parents and as coaches to be able to help them reflect on what impact they had on the outcome, not what the officials had. Right. Um, wish I, had I wish I would have had that life knowledge 
with the older kids. That my older children turned out great. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I can't think how much better they'd be if I would have brought that to the table with them. <laughs> you know, that's what I say. I, I'm glad I did what I did for a living early on in life because it really prepared me for raising kids. Mm-hmm. I was raising 20 year olds when I was 20 in my 20s. Um, because I think sports really does bring that those lessons to what what raising children and what life really is like, you know, it, it, I always think that softball and baseball are ridiculous sports. Um, there's actually this hilarious video um, of this guy comparing it to soccer and he talks about running around the pillows and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's what we do. That's what we do. And yeah. I thought this is a ridiculous sport. But then when I think of all the characteristics that it has built in me and my friends that have played it, it's, you know, sports is one of the greatest assets we have. Right. Yeah, it's right. a billion dollar business, but it's the business of building people. And I think that we get, yeah. we get lost in that so much. Um, so if you were, were sitting next to a, a young, a young athlete or somebody that was interested in fishing, if you got to be the role reversal and you got to be the Benji and we're <laughs> recruiting people, cause sometimes I see athletes and I'm like, oh man, you'd be a really good official. You know, those coach minded ones, um, that know, you know, know and love the game. What would you say? to a young person that's like, Hey, I want to become, you know, I want to uh, umpire in the world series for baseball or, Hey, I want to, you know, even if like, I want to be in the NFL as an official, what would you say to somebody that is interested in your business? Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> I actually am. I just finished making a flyer mm-hmm. and we are making a quick little YouTube video to go with it just for our local high school softball association, mm-hmm. trying to recruit the student athletes. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to make a little bit of money on the Mm -hmm. weekend. Youth sports uh, in the evenings, it's a great way to make just a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. So that's one wonderful positive aspect. Another is for me, which held true, it's a way to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. The way to stay in the game. I always tell uh, the young, the young club sports, you know, in a non-turn, you know, non-tournament setting round Robin, I try to take the time to tell young ladies, Hey, When you're done playing ball, if you're not coaching and if you're not in this game administratively, help move this game forward for the next generation and keep this game alive. We need officials and we need we need more women officials in the game. So I try to I try to really recruit those young ladies for that reason. It's a way to stay in the game. It's a way to stay competitive. It's also needed in the circle of life. There's. It's just part of the circle of life. If we want this game, whether it's soccer or baseball or softball or football or wrestling, lacrosse, tennis, if we want these sports to continue for our youth, then we as adults need to give back to the sport. And if we're not coaching and then we're not team parent fundraising, then let's look at being a sports officials and the necessary piece that they bring to the table and, and get out there and be part of it. Well, and I think that serves um, student athletes in such a big way. You know, I talk about identity a lot with student athletes um, and people that are not student athletes um, don't quite understand how much our identity is linked to that, like part of our life. I'm seeing that the same uh, as I raise a theater kid. It's, it's no different uh, when you have that right. thing that is your constant and to walk away from it completely is can be devastating for for a student athlete. And this is a way to keep that as part of your identity. I know for me, um, 
you know, this is my first year or my second year. I'm not coaching softball. And that's a really bizarre factor. I'm coaching little league baseball. So I'm still a coach and I still have little boys running around calling me coach. Um, but you know, if you have those skills, I, I totally agree. This helps, you know, kind of cement your identity with something that you're passionate about. And we do need people to give back. You know, I, I was uh, talking to a friend and I said, I want to wipe away a lot of my service stuff, but I am a coach. That's how I'm built. And it is my opportunity not my obligation. It's my opportunity to take all the stuff that people have poured into me and poured into the next group of kids because really second to parenting coaches are the, probably the most influential people in a kid's life. You know, most people don't end up in therapy. They end up in therapy either because of parents or coaches. I always laugh because I'm like, so was it your coach? Was it your parent? You know, but we have such a strong influence and we want to pr- produce as many quality coaches, umpires, people that can be engaged with the next generation. Like I say, we don't want sports to turn into a business only. We want it to be an experience and a growing opportunity. So, you know, if you are listening and thinking, why would I be an official? I never looked at it, Trina, as this is how you get to stay competitive. This is how you really do get to stay in the game, right? But you do. It's the truest sense, you know, Um, because you get to take a new craft, a new, a new dynamic of the game and make it your own. And that is a pretty valuable tool that you can hand over to somebody else. I agree. So overall in your years of uh, being an official, would you say that it has gotten easier, gotten harder? Are there things, has there been an event that you're like, oh my gosh, why am I here? I just want, you know, I could be at home in my garden. I could be hanging out with my grandkids you know, we all have those moments. I always say for me, June was the month that I'd said, what am I doing? Get a nine to fiver, right? Because everybody ends with a loss except for the champion, right? You doubt everything as a recruiter, all these things as coaches, there's so much doubt. And right. looking back going, why do we torture ourselves? I'm guessing officials hit that point at some, at some point in their career, maybe every year like coaches, but what, you know, has there been an event that you said, man, this has changed so much. And I, and I, really second guess if I want to be an official or not I think that your question is kind of twofold yes there's events that make you question it I think some seasons tend to be longer and harder whether uh who your partners are uh travel travel situations sometimes sometimes it's just the game sometimes you just have a rough game sometimes there's a lot of errors in a game and you have to make a lot of adjustments to get the call right. And unfortunately we as officials, we love to be the game manager and we like that role. Obviously we wouldn't be there, but sometimes we have to be more than just the game manager. Everybody loves it when the game calls itself, but when we have to determine and make the call for the game, it's never fun. And sometimes you question yourself, you know, on your flight home, you're, you close your eyes and you sit back and you think, why am I here? I could be home with the grandkids and crabbing. That's what I say all the time. I could be crabbing with Sean. You know, I live in Oregon, right? I could, (laughs) why am I doing this? Um, and so these questions come about, I think they, I think that as sports officials, I think it hits us multiple times during the season. And definitely by the end of season, you're pretty tired. Mm. But the game is always evolving. And at first, that change was really hard. Tightening up the strike zone. And I guess I shouldn't say that. Craig Hyde would be so disappointed in me. Calling an accurate strike zone as the book. Yes. As the book describes it. Yeah. Five years ago, I'd be like, what? You know, I was like, I remember texting Greg Stewart going, 
what is going on with the strike zone? Yep. And he, it, yep. you know, and that would fire him up really quick. I think we had like 10 walks in a game against each other and both of us yep. were stewing, but it, it is, it's like, no, we're just calling the real strike zone now. <laughs> yes. Know? Yes. And boy, do I miss that Chevy signed strike zone. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, the game of softball was fast, fast, fat stitches for a reason. Um, the bats are hot now, but we keep, but we're keeping the, the slappers in and the strike zone is exactly as the book as it should have been all along. Right. And so that was tough. You know, I, I, I watched the look on coaches faces, you know, you talk about, about your situation and uh, same thing. I remember being in Palm Springs, Kachikawa, just watching the, the D1 coaches, the, the look on their faces where, you know, it, it looked good from everybody's perspective, except for sitting in the slot, you could tell it missed. And, and so everybody was just so frustrated with that. Uh, another rough year on us umpires was the, the pitcher keeping the toe down. Illegal no, pitches. Illegal pitches. Oh, just, you know, it's anytime a change happens to the game, it's difficult. The changes in obstruction, the definition of what is obstruction and when is it obstruction? These things are difficult. And every time these changes happen, we all hate change. And we say, oh my gosh, I should go home and go crabbing. I should go home <laughs> and take my grandkids crabbing. Why am I doing this? I just got yelled at for calling the rule. But again, there's so much success when personal success, when you can take that change and apply it to the game and apply it to your life and become good at it. It just feels successful. And maybe I'm addicted to that feeling, but I think that many officials are just that feeling of, Oh my gosh, I did it. I finally got it right. I did it correctly. The coach didn't yell at me. We're all on board. Um, and so the change is hard. Changes are always hard. And the game, I think, is going to continue to evolve because of TV and because of cameras and because of instant replay. We know it's coming, right? So the game's going to continue to evolve. Well, and I, you know, and I think you, you make a good point when you talk about, hey, we get these rules and we just have to interpret them, right? And I, I mean, I remember standing very first game, every, every first game, I think in the fall, I would look at the umpires and go, so what rule am I going to get in trouble for? Like, that was kind of my, you know, and, and they just kind of look at me. I'm like, no, serious guys, I'm going to botch this. So just break it down as simple as you can. <laughs> and I, but I, you know what, when I, once again, when I was young, I looked at it as like, why are you doing this umpire? And now I would look at it as like, you're just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Right. You, you know. <laughs> The almighty, you know, officiating gods of the NCAA or ASA or whatever say you have to call this. And we always blame the empires when really you guys are just the messengers, right? You know, I I also find it funny when you say you're addicted to that feeling because I I remember talking to one of my friends um, down at Concordia Irvine and she's an amazing coach, very successful. And I would say, you know why we can't walk away from the game? And she's like, no, I don't. Because we all, every coach has that conversation. I go, it's like being on heroin. And she goes, I go, the highs are so high and the lows are so low. I said, but the highs are so high. You forget about all the lows, right? You know, the, lo- the right. long road trips right. home, the why am I doing this? That I just can't even believe I'm managing 20 year olds for a living, you know, right. but like you say, those moments of success, those moments when it, you see a kid do something that is so outstanding, either on the field or off, get you coming back every single game, right? It, does. it really does, yeah. right? I always say, I always say that softball is, is my hobby and that I, I'm, I just love softball. My kids call it my extreme addiction. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's well, what it is, an addiction. Well, and you know, it's funny because I pretty much, I don't really watch sports anymore. I think the longer I was in the profession of sports and now even being a counselor that works with athletes, it's still just softball. But one of my, my favorite memories of my son's growing up is he didn't sleep much for the, um, the first like 18 months of his life. He'd come watch softball with me and we were watching, a, you know, a replay and we were watching Georgia and, and somebody had hit a home run and he just get, stands up and he's like, it's gone. And even now, as he gets older, he'll be like a softball on. He doesn't want to watch baseball with me, even though he's a baseball guy. He always wants to sit and watch softball with me. And so for me, that addiction has become just kind of a lifestyle. Right. And right. no, nobody questions if I'm like, Hey, peace out. I'm going to a game tomorrow and you're not coming, you know? So right. I, I think that's the thing is, is being involved with the game, even as official, it feeds the addiction, even when you're older and, and you can't, you know, physically swing a bat anymore, or we can't swing it to the level that we used to back in the day. Right. 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 So Trina, right. I really, I, I really appreciate this insight. As I say, like, I, I think officials do not get the understanding that they deserve. You know, as I say, it, it, you guys are there to interpret the rules. You're there to make sure that things are done professionally and efficiently. And as athletes and coaches and parents, we need to look at your role as just that. You are there trying to do the best job, just like every athlete and coaches. You know, I always joke and say to um, when I was a coach, I don't wake up to say, how do I mess up my athletes today? Like, how do I uh, lose a game today? You know, no official gets up and says, I'm going to really make people angry today. That's the goal. Right. Right. And so we need to remember they're human and they're doing their absolute best and give them the respect that officials need. And this, as I say, across the board, I don't care if they're in the the Super Bowl or if they are first, you know, doing peewee football, you know, the officials are there to make the game better and we need to give them that same respect. So if you have the need to yell an official, just remember, it does not make you feel better. It makes your blood pressure go up. It's all these things that do not make us feel better, right? right. And they're, they are there to do the best they can to serve our student athletes. And I know Trina, you know, one of the things I do miss is all the relationships I've built as a coach, like the co- my coaching friends, my, my umpire friends, that's probably the part that I miss the most of, you know, popping into a, into Idaho and going, Oh, Trina's working this game. And I get to see this person and having those relationships. And I greatly thank you for taking such pride in, in your profession and spreading what you do and your, your exceptional ability at it to the next generation. Cause I think that is super impactful and is going to impact the game for generations to come. So I really appreciate it. I hope you do get to go crabbing as soon as season is over. <laughs> probably crab season will be over as well. Um, yeah, but I know I probably will see you on TV from time to time. I'm always looking for my umpire friends when I'm watching games. Um, so we wish you safe travels through the rest of the season. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Carrie. Check out Train the Complete Athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.